Welcome to the M121 podcast. I'm Josh Coker, and today we're going to play part two of a conversation I had with Pastor Ben Cordes, who is pastor of the Lexington Primitive Baptist Church. We discussed the topic of how Christians should respond to trials. If you haven't heard the first part of that conversation, pause this, go back in your podcast app and listen to that, and then come back and you can listen to the remaining portion of our conversation. You can find Ben's sermons and his own podcast, the Abundant Life Podcast, at lexpbc.org. That's lexpbc.org. That's the Lexington Primitive Baptist Church website. I hope you enjoy this second part of our conversation, and may God bless you. Absolutely. I, I love what you were saying about the confidence with with which the, the apostles and the early disciples carried themselves. And, and I'm afraid in my personal life that that sometimes I lack that confidence towards God. And the confidence isn't in me or in you or in someone else. It's in God. But, you know, as ambassadors, that's an interesting word. Because when, when the United States sends an ambassador somewhere, that ambassador goes with the, the full powers of the United States behind them, right? And as, as children of God, we're sent out into this world, disciples of Christ, with the full power of Christ behind us uh, to proclaim what he's done and, and to live a, a powerful life, not a defeated life. And it is – I will echo what you said about the United States. I am very thankful to be a, a, a citizen of the United States. I, I, I love it. Um, you know, I probably struggle like most of us do with um, being somewhere between informed and, and an idolater. Um and, and I do, I do am concerned with uh, the propagation of this nation. I don't want it to fall. Where else are we going to go? Where's another beacon of freedom? And the church is, has has had so much peace and prosperity here uh, in, in America over the last several hundred years that that yeah, I look, I, you know, I, I I don't look to it for my hope, but I want it to be here, obviously, like the rest of us. But if it's not, if it's broken down, we have another kingdom uh, that we look to. So let's think about this. We are ambassadors for Christ out in this world. How how are we to represent Christ when we go out? What is going to be a characteristic, or what are the characteristics that define a disciple, an ambassador of Christ versus someone else who who, who doesn't uh, worship Christ, doesn't follow Christ? How are we to be different? Well, the Lord Jesus gives us uh, a pretty clear statement of how people will know where we're from and and who we belong to. He says in John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Our love is not some nebulous idea, but the love that we're supposed to have is clearly defined in the way that Jesus Christ has loved us. He says, No man... Um, you know, has a greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So it's a self-sacrificing love that uh, the Lord Jesus says will define who we are and who we represent. He says, ye shall, they shall know that ye are my disciples. That, that defines us, and it also defines who we belong to. It's a wonderful thing. And then being a disciple itself, you know, of course, is a student, someone who is learning. Um, and so it's not to be something, uh, you know, we're not trying to be something that 
is is coming to uh, a full perfection. You know, we we want to be mature as disciples, but we're never going to achieve the absolute end of this on our own. To be a disciple means you're you're always learning. We're always trying to improve. Uh, but one thing that we we see that we need to constantly improve on is the way in which we love. We don't allow for this world to define love for us, but rather Jesus has defined that, as we've already said. He loved us so much that he, he gave his life for us um, in, as our, uh, in our room instead as, as the ransom that was paid uh, for our redemption. And, uh, you know, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think we have a most wonderful definition of of what love is. I, I appreciate so much what the King James translators did there in First Corinthians 13. They they esteemed the love that that the Apostle Paul was describing there so much that they actually changed uh, the name from love to charity um, in in the English translation. Uh, of course, it's it, fruit is in that agape love, that the, the God love that uh, he has for us. But if you read that chapter, you know, sometimes it may come off as a, you know, quite a lovely thing, and it, it makes us feel good. But if you read it and study it deeper and deeper, that, that definition of love and charity there, and, and the things that that God says that it is and the things that God says that it isn't, wow, that's really a challenging thing. And it's, it can sometimes be uncomfortable for us to think that we uh, are supposed to um, be living up to this standard of what true agape charity love is. And we come short of it. And we know if we're being honest, I know I'm being honest with myself. I know that I come short of that charity as it's defined there in 1 Corinthians 13. But nevertheless, the Lord has still given us a standard that we ought to strive for, that charity uh, doesn't think of itself. It doesn't keep a, a record of wrongdoings, that it is uh, not puffed up. You know, it's not uh, self-seeking. It's, it's uh, self-sacrificing. It is, it is kind. It is. It is gentle. You know, it's, it's all these things that the world would try to say that love really isn't. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. But yet, how often do we see in our world today that, that to say that love is love, you know, and to, and to say that to love this, uh, this, this sin over here, which God says no, <laughs> to, to rejoice in iniquity is not to love someone, but rather to point out the truth that Jesus Christ, though he condemned the sin, we think about the, the woman caught in the act of adultery as she was brought before Christ, you know, clearly as that woman left there, she knew that what she had done was wrong, but I also believe that she left there knowing that her Savior loved her and was willing to advocate uh, for her on her behalf as our great counselor. And ad heavenly advocate does for us all the time. You know, Jesus Christ is, is seated at the right hand of the Father right now, making intercession for us. 
And he's, he's not blind to the things that we do. He sees everything that we do. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. He sees what we do. Our Father is not ignorant to those things. Nevertheless, he's there making intercession for us. And I, I have to think that our Lord is there at times saying, you know what? Uh, I see, I see what, what Ben Cordes did, and that was sin. But Father, have mercy on him, for I've, I've paid for that sin as well. And I think about our loving Savior doing that for us all the time. He doesn't excuse the fact that we, that we are sinners, that we do sin, not in, not in, in the sense that we should know better. Uh, because we should, we should know better. But nevertheless, uh, he tells us to depart from that sin and to sin no more. And uh, that is what repentance is. So if we are going to love as Christ has commanded us to love, we, we do need to have a good definition of what it is. Thanks be to God. He's given us that in the scriptures. And so we, we can't be characterized by fighting and, and, and bickering, arguing and, Definitely not hatred. You know, I, I hate to say it, but this past year I saw so many statements of people um, just expressing how they had lost such respect for so many people and, and people saying, um, I can't respect this person or I can't respect that person. You know what? It, it might be hard for us to sometimes respect one another, especially when, when somebody's done something that has greatly disappointed us. But even on a very human level, I think we can give enough charity and enough grace to one another that we can at least say that I can respect you on a, on a very human level. But not even that. If we can't even do that, you know what the Bible tells us to still do? He tells us, the Word of God tells us that we ought to even love one another, even if it's just for Christ's sake. And I think we should be able to do that. Because the truth is, is we're all hard to love at times. We're all very difficult at times to love. And I know that to be a fact. My wife has got the hardest job of anybody. There's times where I'm just not easy to love. And I, I you know, pray, <laughs> pray to God for grace for her to... Because she's the one that I'm yoked with in this life, and thanks be to God, I, I've got a, I've got a sweet and loving and adoring wife, um, and she is so faithful to me. But yet, I know there are times that it's difficult for for her to love me. But we're all like that if we're really honest, and so we we do need to find more kindness, more gentleness with one another. Remember the fruit of the spirit, and uh, uh, such as, as meekness and kindness. Um, gentleness, goodness, faith. The, the Word of God tells us there uh, in Galatians that there is no law against those things. What what we ought to see that there are laws against is hatred and, and evil and, and, and backbiting and 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 this desire to to you know either win a a, a battle or an argument with against our own brothers and sisters. We, we really have an opportunity right now, and, and throughout this whole year, we've had an opportunity to let our light of love shine for, for the glory of God and to not be caught up in, in silliness and arguing and bickering. If, if we don't, I, I fear if we don't persevere in, in love and, and truth in representing our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that we're going to see some things disappear 
from us that, that, that we truly do love and appreciate, but maybe have taken for granted. And I, and I pray the Lord would help us and help our land to heal. But we know the formula for that, as the Bible tells us, the Lord says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and pray um, and, and will repent, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their land. That's, that's what we want, but we see that uh, we have some work to do if we want that in our land. So it's, uh, yeah, we, we have a, a, a pretty good description of how we will be known as the disciples of Christ. And it's completely defined by that love like Christ had for us. I think you've answered a, a question that I've had and, and I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and I've joked that a great podcast would be keeping a unity and friendship uh, during the coronavirus pandemic, because if there's one thing that COVID has done, it's divided God's people. It's, it's going to take a lot of love to overlook. I've, I've seen people who would agree on 99% of everything and, and, would just argue with one another over the 1% of things they probably disagree with. And I think social media amplifies that because we become a lot more bold when we're behind a keyboard than when we're face to face with someone. But in the church, churches have been divided in the last year over, over these things. And, and what's going to keep us united? It's love. Uh, my, my mentor, uh, Sam Bryant always tells a story about a lady's seven layer cake and they would just look beautiful and smooth. And and it was the icing that made it look that way. You know, every every layer had its dips and divots. And, and just uh, looking at the, the cake without the icing, it didn't look beautiful. But as she would ice that cake, uh, those chocolate cakes, every layer at a time, and finish it off, it would be smooth and, 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 and look unified. And what was it that made it do that? It was the icing. And love is the icing that, that, that binds us all together. And if there's ever been a time for love, and that's a choice, you know, that we have to make. You, you're talking about your wife. Now, I don't know that Hillary really has that hard of a time putting up with Ben Cordes. But if she ever gets to feeling like she's having a hard time, she needs to call my wife. Um, but... I don't, ch- that I'm, I don't believe that about Carrie. <laughs> I think... But it's not that hard. For no, they both, they probably need a support group. Um, <laughs> but what is it? What is it that holds relationships together, marriages together? It's love and it's a choice, right? We're to love one another, even as Christ Jesus loved us and Christ chose to love us. God chose to love us. I love what you're saying there, man. Um, you know, I was thinking about this verse in, in Ecclesiastes 12, let us, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. We're wrapping this up. Uh, wh- wh- what is the duty of man? It's to fear God and to keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So in the midst of trials, we keep a, we keep a good attitude. We choose to love, but I think ultimately it is to, to keep his commandments and to obey God through those. Um, what about some closing thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I completely agree that, uh, Ultimately, what we're, we're called to is, is submission and obedience to our God. Um, to obey God is, as you said, um, the, the key to, I, I think, a great life here in this, in this world, but 
Um, that's our duty and responsibility to find our purpose and to know our purpose in life. It is, it is quite an amazing thing. I, I submit to you that there are you know, millions of people in this world who wander and are, are aimless, as it seems, about um, what their purpose in life is. But to have it summarized for us like that so succinctly by Solomon is an amazing thing. Um, and so obedience to God absolutely is, is what we have in, in part. But part of that obedience to God is, is realizing that we also submit to one another. Um, Jesus Christ, once again, did not shy, shy away from that. As, as God, his Father, showed us that uh, he humbled himself to the point that he would talk to, to sinners and would even meet face-to-face with one in Moses, as the Bible says that, that God uh, spoke to him face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. That's that's humbling to uh, a thrice holy, righteous, just God who had every reason to strike a people down because of sin, but yet uh, showed great humility in being long suffering to us. Jesus Christ humbled himself to the point of death, uh, even to the death of a cross. And so we consider him uh, who. Uh, set the joy before himself, which we have the joy of heaven awaiting us. We have the joy of, of the resurrection and seeing the glory of God. Uh, whenever Christ returns, we have the joy of really every day living in the kingdom of God. So we have constant joy before us. We have that responsibility also to set that joy before us so that when the obedience to our God causes us to have to go through the fiery trials or the, you know, the, the hardships, uh, maybe even the persecutions for all they that live godly in this life shall suffer persecution, as the Bible tells us. Um, we are better at um, you know, sustaining and, 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 and walking with Christ through those things because he says he's never going to leave us or, or abandon us. He's, he is a God who sticks with us to the very end. Um, but setting that joy before us will help us in obeying God. You know, I have always found it um, so pleasing to do the work that is before me in my job, um, whatever it might be, a task that I'm, I'm currently in. When I know that I've got some time off coming or when I know there's a vacation around, uh, around the corner, so to speak, um, or even it's just you're looking forward to the weekend. So, you know, the, you, there's some things that we set before us that we anticipate in knowing that it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be hard. It's not always going to be a difficult thing. When we get to glory, uh, you know, Brother Josh, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience that shall never end, where there are no more tears, where there's no more sin, where there's no more sickness, there's no more death and dying, that is to set that joy before us. And once again, it, it, it calls us to uh, remember where our home is. And so when God tells us that we have responsibilities to submit to one another, just as Jesus did, he knelt at the feet of sinners and, and washed their feet, uh, we also submit to one another in, in uh, a similar way. And we see the responsibility we have to brother and sister 
and we consider ourselves in the church as being the least of all the saints there, as the Apostle Paul said. Um, and we also look to the authorities that God has given to us, the kings and to governors and, and to the, even the, the laws or the, the executive orders that they, they send out. Um, when these things, of course, violate God's word, we we ought to obey God rather than men, as we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But we do all that we can to live peaceably with God, uh, with, with men, as God has told us, which is well-pleasing to him. So we do all that we can, and sometimes I feel like we don't always do all that we can to live peaceably, as much as lies within us to live peaceably with all men. But... Uh, we, we all know that we can improve on that. We have been given such a, a blessed privilege and responsibility, and the word stewardship comes to mind. Um, the Lord tells us that we have been given grace and that we have also been given this manifold grace of God that we have the responsibility of being good stewards of. And so obedience falls within that, uh, for he has given us the grace to obey. Um, and, and truthfully, we, we think about grace, picture it as being an umbrella. That underneath that, that great big umbrella of grace comes charity and, and mercy and, and, and patience. All these things fall under that big umbrella of grace that God has given to us. We have a, a huge responsibility to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And when we obey and show others that our allegiance is to Christ first and foremost, that even when it comes to obeying authorities, the Lord even tells us that we do that for his sake. And there are times we got to remember, I don't like, maybe I don't like this one particular thing, but I can do it. You know, I don't like paying taxes and I don't like wearing the mask and I don't like doing this thing or I don't like doing that thing. Or, but we can do it for Christ's sake. I have to think about when the apostle Peter comes to the Lord Jesus, knowing after he had just been, um, after he had just been asked, does your, does your Lord pay tribute? Uh, he comes to Jesus and Jesus catches him before Peter can say anything. He says, um, uh, unto whom uh, do kings require tribute of their own sons or of strangers? And of course, Peter says, of strangers. And then Jesus says, well, then unto them, uh, then are the, the sons of God free or the, the sons of the king free. And we are free. And that's, that's a great thing to realize is that we have liberty in Christ because we are children of the king. But Jesus then goes on to say, nevertheless, lest they be offended, we ought to pay tribute. And so what does he tell Peter? He says, go and drop a line out into the, into the lake, and that first fish that you catch, open its mouth up and pull out of it uh, the, the pieces of money that are needed to pay both your tribute and mine. And so what Jesus is showing us there is that he, though there are times in which we disagree with what kings of the earth or governors of the earth or presidents or Congress or whoever requires of us, though we disagree with those things, and though they may even cross moral boundaries that we just do not and can ever agree with, nevertheless, lest they be offended. What he means is, is lest they come to 
a, a wrong conclusion about who we are, for we are Christians, and Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We, we believe in doing what is right. We believe in honoring the king, as the Bible said, or, or honoring those positions of authority. We believe in honoring the law of man um, to the degree that it doesn't you know, contradict Scripture. We believe in these things, and we never want to be known as a rebellious people because that's what got us in trouble in the very first place is when man rebelled against God's law. So we see that obedience is important. Christ was even paying tribute. It's as hard as it is for us to fathom, but Christ was even paying tribute to the government, to the very Caesar who was over the government that would end up crucifying him. Now, if that doesn't seem to us like such a contrary way of thinking as, as we do here in America or, or as, as just citizens of this world. I don't know what that is, but, but Jesus was never of the mind to think like a, a worldly person, but rather he was thinking in terms of his Father uh, and, and the kingdom of heaven. And this is how he would have us to be as well. It's not that we always agree with these things, but rather we submit to whom God has said we ought to submit, at first and foremost as to Christ, first and foremost as to our King. So when it comes to obedience, um, in the hardships and the trials and maintaining our allegiance to Christ and following his word, I, I, I know that can be a, a tall order as it may seem to us at times. But nevertheless, what we are being trained for are for those circumstances. And so when we obey in the mundane, when, we, when it is that we're simply fulfilling our duties as, as fathers or or, or women as, as mothers or, or children and honoring their their uh, their father and mother when we are obeying in the mundane, remembering as, as Christians that, that we have the responsibility to love one another, to be kind to one another, to show the love of Christ in all that we do. In obedience in the mundane, all that is is a training. It's a training for the, the trials that will come. And I, I submit to you that if we are faithful in the easier times, in the mundane times, um, then when those fiery hardships and trials come along, we are, we are more prepared. And so let's consider the thought that uh, obedience um, is always obedience. It's not that we're obeying more when those trials come along and we're remaining faithful to God than we would be uh, in, in the simple everyday occasions of obedience. Obedience is always obedience, but we do need to consider that the obedience in the little things may be preparing us for obedience in the greater, harder, more extreme cases of life. That's a good point. And the little things is where life consists, right? There's very few big Mm-hmm. moments in our lives. We, our lives are made up of, of, of a lot of little moments. And um, I thought about this hymn and we'll close with this. I know you've probably heard it. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Um, 
as, as we started this podcast by saying that you're either coming into a, a trial, you're going out of a trial, or you're in the middle of a trial. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's a small one. We're all, we're all going to experience that. That's part of the human condition and the part of the human experience. Uh, but through that, God can give you a song in the midst of your trials. Brother Ben, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Brother Josh. I love you, my friend, and appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk with you. And I've really enjoyed it a lot. I love you too, man. And roll tide. Roll tide, brother. <laughs>